All right, at this point, uh, if you have a Bible or device with you, I want to uh, draw your attention to a brief scripture reading that we have this afternoon. That's from Ephesians chapter 6. So Ephesians 6, we're going to look at just as verses 1, 2, and 3, and then we're going to confess together um, from a, a document that we are covering in this catechetical afternoon series, a teaching series, and the document goes back all the way to 1563. It's called the Heidelberg Catechism, and it's on the basis of that catechetical document that we have already covered the fundamental doctrines of our Christian faith found in the Apostles' Creed, which we confessed just a few minutes ago. And now we're going through a series on Christian ethics, looking at the Ten Commandments, and we're all the way up to halfway through the fifth commandment. Now, before we read the scripture and before we confess the words of the Heidelberg uh, together, I just want to say that in this series on the Ten Commandments, we've covered the first four commandments, which have to do with our relationship with God. And then the second, what we call table of the law, second part of the Ten Commandments, commandments five through ten, have to do with our relationship to each other, right? So, we are beginning that section where we are talking about our relationships with each other, particularly children's relationship to parents. Practical sermon this afternoon. So, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, notice the, ten, uh, the New Testament carries forward the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. Carries forward the Fifth Commandment in this regard. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So, that's the scripture. I want to draw your attention now to uh, the Heidelberg. If we could have that up there. Okay, you can see it before you. I'm going to ask the question and then together let's give the answer. Here's the question. What does God require in the fifth commandment, that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me, submit myself to do obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. All right. Now, um, can you just keep that up there? Just keep the Heidelberg up there. It is up there. Okay. Now. I want to, uh, because this is a type of teaching service, the way that I uh, preach is more kind of in a, a teaching fashion. So I want to begin with this. Um, I'm not, uh, maybe you're aware of this, but maybe you're not, that the, the, the Heidelberg Catechism provides us with a certain, what we, and I'm going to use the big words, the word hermeneutic, hermeneutic, which has to deal with principles of interpretation. And what the Heidelberg does is it, it, it provides us with a way of interpreting the Bible and the major doctrines of our faith. In particular, provides us an interpretive method for understanding the Ten Commandments. And what's really interesting with the Heidelberg, and actually what the Heidelberg is doing is actually drawing upon Jesus' hermeneutic in dealing with the Ten Commandments, as we see in the Sermon on the Mount. So... I'll mention two things. First of all, what the Heidelberg does is it internalizes the commandments. Because it's very easy for us to look at the Ten Commandments and we hear these, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that, or you should be doing this, and so on. 
And it's very easy to, to say to ourselves, well, you know what? Um, it has to do with my actions, and as long as my actions comport with or accord with the Ten Commandments, it's thumbs up, I'm good to go. But Jesus teaches us that, for instance, with the Seventh Commandment, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. You can say, well, you know what? I'm married and I haven't been messing around with another guy's wife or messing around with another guy's husband. But Jesus gets at the point, what Hodder gets at the point is, okay, but what about your heart? You lust? <laughs> Even though you're married, you lust upon another man, you did lust upon another woman. Well, if so, you violated the commandment. So what Hodberg does, what Jesus does, he internalizes the commandments. But also what Hodberg does is it broadens the commandments. And it's what it does, the reason why I bring that out, that's what we see here in terms of honor your father and mother. Because if you take a look at the language of Hodberg, notice what it says, that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. So the fifth commandment relates not only to parents and children and children's obligation to parents, but it really uh, applies to those who more broadly are in authority over us, not just our parents. You think about that. We, are, we, we all have people in authority over us, every one of us. If you're a kid in school, who's in authority over you? you got the teacher. you got the principal. If you're a member of the church, who's an authority over you and provides oversight? The shepherds, the elders of the church. If you're in the military and you're enlisted, who's over you? The very ones to whom you must obey and submit, who are they? The officers in the military. So, you know, you could, you could, we are all under a certain amount of authority. So when we take a look at the fifth commandment, it says, honor your father and mother. It's saying, honor all those in authority over you. Even the government officials with whom we don't always agree. We need to remain submissive to them as well. For God has ordained all things in this world and he has placed them in authority over us. And we are to submit to them unless, of course, they require us to sin against the Lord. Well, that becomes a different matter. So you see how, how broad is the application of the fifth commandment. But for our purposes this afternoon, what I want to do is I want to look specifically at the relationship of children to parents. I want you to listen to the words again. Honor your father and mother. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say honor your mother and your father. I think it's pretty significant. Now for a lot of us, and I think especially as men who were once boys, Remember the nurturing of our mothers and how maybe for a number of us here this afternoon, our moms had more of an effect positively in our lives than our dad. You oftentimes hear that from people. But the Bible understands that it is the father who is the head of the family. It's the husband who is the head of the wife, the Bible says, and it is also the father who is the head of the home. And the father has a very important responsibility. In fact, we see that in Ephesians 6, verse 3, where it says, Fathers, it doesn't say mothers, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Why is the focus on the father? Because the father sets the direction of the home. Does it mean the mom is passive? Does it mean the mom doesn't have a role in that? But the father has a primary role. Dads, are we listening? Dads, are we listening? Okay. So honor your father and your mother. But here's a question. What does it really mean to honor them? What do you think of when you think of the word honor? I think a lot of times we just think of respect. The word in the Hebrew language in the fifth commandment that we find in Exodus 20 and also Deuteronomy chapter 5, part of the Old Testament, is the word kabod, which is closely related to the word kabod. You've heard me mention the word kavod here before. It's the Hebrew word for glory. 
So we talk about the glory of the Lord. We talk about the kavod of the Lord. And the fundamental meaning of that word kavod is heaviness, weightiness. So we're talking about the glory of God. We're talking about the the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God, the fact that God is extremely powerful and consequential in our lives. When that's applied to the parent, kavod, kavod, it's really saying that parents are very consequential in the lives of their children. Why? Because of the position that God has given them over their children. Because also, though, the effect that they have on their children. Think about that. Who you are right now is in large measure, whether good or ill, who you are is a direct reflection of your parents, right? I've, I've, I've dealt with many... Uh, when I deal with people who are in marriage uh, counseling, one of the first things I will ask them is this. Um, well, after a few preliminary introductory matters, I say, tell me about your parents. And let's spend a little bit of time with that. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mom. Because I want to know how they've been, what models the parents provide in their homes. Because the more I know that, the more I'm going to see if there are going to be potential issues in their marriage bond or not. And sometimes you have people get together, and they grew up in absolutely dysfunctional homes. So you got a lot of stuff to work through. But you know, I, I, I want to say this. I know that we are not a perfect church, and we're not part of a, a perfect federation. But here's the thing. We have a long history of oftentimes familial stability. Now, you might be here and say, hey, I grew up in my federation, or I grew up for a time in this church, and that's not what I experienced. Okay, you're going to find exceptions. But in large measure, a lot of us have been given that. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it encourages us then to honor our parents, especially when, when we get older. We honor them as who they are. Honor your father and mother. By the way, I have so much to say. But this applies, oftentimes we think it applies to little kids. It also applies to those of us who are in our 50s and our 60s, who our parents are in their 80s and 90s. Honor your father and mother. Okay. Now, why are we to honor our parents? Children. Children, why would we honor our parents? Why are we to respect them? Why would we obey them? We, let's, let's, let's deal just a little bit of time with Ephesians chapter 6. Provides three reasons if you take a look at the text. Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Number one, honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise. So that, two, it may go well with you. And number three, you may live long in the land. Now remember, the fifth commandment was given in the desert, in the wilderness, on the way to the promised land. So if you want to be blessed in the land, children, honor, respect, obey your parents. All right, so I want to look at those three things. Let's, let's deal quickly with them. First of all, children, honor your father and mother, respect them, obey them. Why? The Bible puts it really simply in Ephesians chapter 6, because it's the right thing to do. You know what we call it? That's called a truism. A truism is, is a statement that is made that really cannot be contradicted. I mean, it's, 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 it's an obvious statement, right? We, we obviously know. And listen, it's not just the Christian who can say this, but the non-Christian can say this as well. You can ask a non-Christian, hey, do you think it's, it's right and it's good for uh, a child being raised in a family of a mother and a father, maybe just a mother or just a father? Do you think it's good for that child to obey and respect their parents? Most of them will say, yeah. Because there's practical, there's practical implications to that. You're going to have a healthier family. Sure, I, yeah, I agree with that. But is that always what we see? 
is it is it always what we see that children understand that it's the right thing to honor, respect, and obey their parents? Not always. How many of us have not had the the, uh, the a time in our lives where we we go into the, the classic Walmart or Costco, and as soon as we walk through the doors, you hear this. Right? Some kid's going into meltdown. Some kid is just, just, just imploding in an aisle somewhere. And the closer you get to the aisle, the kid is not letting up. And you look at that child, and the child is beside himself, beside herself. And maybe that child just woke up on the wrong side of the bed, not normally like and just having a bad day. You get that. But many times you sense that as that is going on, there's something, and it goes on a regular basis, there is something wrong there. And usually what's wrong is not the child himself or herself, it's the problem with the parent. Where there's a lack of discipline in the home, or there's over-discipline, or usually what the problem is, is inconsistent discipline. And so the child gets away one day with one thing, and then the discipline is applied in a different way, and he doesn't get away with it the next day, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There can be any number of reasons why the child is going to meltdown. But here's the thing. When the child's not doing the right thing, that affects not only the child, but obviously affects the poor mother who's got to deal with this child. I was thinking this past week, someone who's hearing this probably think, I just had that happen this week, you know. <laughs> but it can happen, okay. But here's the thing. You know, it affects not only the child. If, if this happens on a regular basis, it affects not only the child, and it affects, but it affects the parent. And not only affects the child and the parent, but here's the thing. This is interesting. It also affects, if it's not dealt with properly, it affects society. Because when a child goes into meltdown earlier and it's not dealt with properly, and the child is not shepherded along properly, it causes problems in the teen years and even into the adult years. So I'll give you an example of that. If you could put uh, the first text on there. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 21. I want you to take a look at that. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father and mother, and if they discipline him and he will not listen to them, then his father and mother will bring him to the elders of the city, and they shall say to them, Our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not, open, uh, he will not obey our voice. He's a drunkard and a glutton, and all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. And so you shall purge the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and be afraid. Wow. Some of you may not even know that that was in the Bible. Some of you maybe knew it was in the Bible, but it's been a while since you heard that text being read. Please understand that what you have here is not like an 8 to 10-year-old child who goes into a meltdown and happens to mouth off to his mom, and the parents get upset with that, take it to the elders of the city, and the elders decide this kid needs to be stoned. That's not what's happening here. If you take a close look at the text, this is a child, particularly a son in a family, who maybe is into his teenage years or early adult years, the parents are still over that child, and that child has fallen into extreme lack of self-restraint. Now he's a drunk. Now he's a glutton. And I, I want to submit to you that the word glutton here is not, well, he just happens to eat too much. This is a kid who is completely unrestrained has no respect for the parents, the parents don't know what to do, and this is a child in the end then, who because of this and because of his age, actually becomes a threat to society. The elders say, and this is hard for us to comprehend today, stone this child. And then what does it say at the very end? 
So you shall purge the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and be afraid. That's called a deterrent. Now, we don't live in the theocracy of Israel anymore. We're not in the Old Testament times. That is replaced, the punishments of the Old Testament, in terms of the discipline that's exercised by the church. Sometimes the church may have to step in regarding this kind of matter. But I'm not going to get into all of that now. Here's the point. Children, respect, honor, obey your parents, for it is the right thing. And if it's not the right thing for you, it has consequences. Not just for you, not just for your mom, not just for your dad, society in which we live. This is why the best cultural analysts will say that if we want to save our nation, and so that doesn't go into complete dissolution, into complete meltdown of society, we've got to recover marriage and the family because it's the bedrock of society. Again, so much more can be said on that. Let's deal quickly with number two. Chapter six, we read, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. Kids, you want to live a happy life, healthy life, good life, even though I know it's hard because your parents don't always do it right, love on your parents, do your best to honor and respect and obey them. Could you put the next text from the book of Proverbs up there? Look at this, if you would. Hear, O sons, the Father's instruction, and be attentive, so that you may gain insight. Hold fast my words and keep my commandments, so that you may what? So that you may live. You may live. You may live a healthy, productive life. So that it may go well with you. The language of Ephesians 6. Let me give you a, a quick example of this. Um... Joy's dad, named Lloyd, was, a, was a, a pastor of a church, more German background. And uh, he had gone through his college courses, and he felt called to the ministry. And he said to his dad, um, I want to go to seminary, and I want to go to Mission House Seminary. It was, a, it was a seminary in Wisconsin. Now, Mission House was a rather liberal seminary. And Joy's dad still said, many ministers have gone to that seminary. That's where I want to go as well. And Joy's dad, Lloyd's father, who had no more than a second grade education. He was a farmer in northern South Dakota. That's all he had, second grade education. He did not know how to read or write. He could sign his name to documents, but he did not know how to read or write. And his dad said to him, I trust Reverend Grossman, who was the pastor of their family, he said, actually, you should not go to Mission House in Wisconsin. You should go to Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. And there was an impasse there. And Joy's dad finally said, well, I, I really want to go to Mission House. And the dad said something to the effect, and he said, well, if you're going to go, then just go. And and Joy's dad respected his father, that simple South Dakota farmer, respected him so much that in the end, he made the decision to honor his father and go to Westminster Seminary. And he said as an older man a few years ago before he died when I was in the living room, he said, you know what? I'm convinced that if I would have gone to Mission House of Wisconsin, I would be preaching people into hell. 
But he said, by the grace of God and honoring my father, I went to Westminster. And thankfully, I think I had a productive ministry. You know, this is an example of honoring your parents. You may not always agree with them. But your parents may see kids. They may see things that you don't see. And the Bible says, honor them, respect them, love on them, obey them, for it will go well with you. And that's true. Then finally, thirdly, this. Children, respect, honor, obey your parents, not only so that they go well with you, so that you may live long in the land. So that you may live a long life. Can you put the next passage up there? Proverbs 3 and also 4. My son, let your heart keep my teaching for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Hear my son and accept my words so that the years of your life may be many. Now, does that mean, kids, that if you honor, respect, and obey your parents, that you're going to live to be at least 100 years old? That's not what it's saying. But what it is saying is that generally speaking, if you honor, obey, and respect your parents, in contrast to those who turn against their parents, you're going to live a longer and a healthier, generally speaking, and a more productive life. The opposite is also true, that if you turn against your parents, Sometimes, not only does this not produce a fruitful life and a happy life, sometimes your life can be cut short. I'll give you two biblical examples and one modern example. Remember Absalom in the Bible? Absalom, one of the King David's sons. Absalom turned against his father and went even so far as to try to kill his father to wrest the kingdom from his father's grasp. What happened to him? His life was cut short. Or you think of someone like Eli, the priest's sons. He had two sons that were not honoring to their father. Above all, they were not honoring God. And you read in the Bible that after a time, they were killed by a tribe called the Philistines. Life was cut short. Or how about this? You go into the prison system today. Take a look at convicts. Take a look at serial killers. Do a bit of research on them. You know, as you do that, what you find is almost to the person, almost always, they grew up in some kind of dysfunctional family situation. Maybe a dad that was absent. Maybe a mom that was absent. Maybe a dad and a mom that were abusive or what have you. They were never given what they were supposed to be given. And life did not turn out well. Now, does that mean that if you grow up in a dysfunctional family situation, that's necessarily going to happen to you? No, because sometimes what God does is he infuses grace into the situation and his favor, and a, and, and a child, is whether that child was up to be a teen or a young adult, God takes him out of that and sets him on a different course. And then sometimes what God does with that person, he gives them a spouse and they build a new family together, a family that is transformed by the blood of Jesus and sets a whole different direction for, for subsequent generations. I've seen that. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I want to leave you with this. And then we'll have just, uh, maybe there's a little bit of a discussion that we're going to have afterwards. Kids, listen to me, okay? I want, I want you to listen. You can, you can listen, okay? What does God want you to do? God wants you to love your parents. God wants you to respect your parents. God wants you to obey your parents. And this is not always easy because your parents don't always do it right. 
Another reason for that, or a few reasons for that is this. God wants you to honor, respect, and obey your parents, obviously, because God has given those parents to you. And that's what God wants you to do. Secondly, God wants you to honor, respect, and obey your parents and love on your parents so that it will go well with you. So you leave a good life and a happy life. Because I tell you what, so often when you turn your back against your parents, especially Christian parents, it does not go well. And there's, there's untold sadness. Take it from someone who's lived a while. Not the longest, but a while. And um, finally this, kids, this is very simple. But did you know this is what Jesus did with his parents? Now you think about that. Jesus was the son of God. <laughs> son of God. And if there's anyone who could have said, why do I have to obey my parents? I'm the son of God. I know all things. But you know what? He didn't do that. What did Jesus do? The Bible says he submitted to his parents. And it's his mother who treasured that in her heart of hearts. So here's the thing. Kids want a thing, and then we're going to close in prayer. Do you know what happens when, when parents get older? What they do is they get into, and it's going to seem pretty old to you kids, but once they get into their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond, they, they look back once you kids have grown up, and maybe if you get married, you have kids of your own, and you're raising your own family, your parents will look back, and, and they're going to look back at raising you with fondness, with happiness in their heart, but sometimes they're going to look back with regret. Because they're saying to themselves, if, if I would have just done this differently, if I would have just said this at the time, or if I would have handled this difficult situation, things might have turned out different. A few years ago, I wrote my youngest daughter a four-page letter, and I confessed a number of things to her. We had a decent relationship before that. But I felt the need to do that. And, and maybe, as, maybe uh, really, only reason I bring it out is maybe his parents want to think about doing the same thing. I just wrote her this letter, and I, we sat down. And I said, I just want to read this to you. And I read her that letter. And, <laughs> well, I was going to share something kind of funny, but if she listens, I don't think she'd be happy. So anyway, but, but I did that. And all I want to say is this was the beginning of, a different kind of relationship that we weren't distant and we weren't we weren't hostile toward each other, but it just warmed the relationship and it opened doors. Sometimes as parents, you may need to do that with your kids and allow your kids to say some things to you. But anyway, more could be said about this. So children, listen, honor your father and your mother because one, it's a good and the right thing to do. Number two, so it may go well with you and so that you may live a long and a blessed life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, and we know that you love us. And Lord, we know as parents you call us to love on our children, to teach them, provide examples to them, even to discipline them for their good, which is hard for us to do. But at the same time, Father, um, you call our children to love their parents. We pray for our children here, for a heart of love for their parents, and even maybe to say this day, Mommy, Daddy, I love you.
God, give us those kinds of children and help us to be the kind of parents that bring glory to your name and a blessing to our children. God, we pray for this. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.